You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, Episode 70. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook or via our 24-hour streaming radio station, pennystocks.fm. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Our Take segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. This week, in our Your Stock, Our Take segment, we take a look at two unique stocks. The first has been all over the media and popping up at your local supermarket and a number of fast food joints, the company Beyond Meat Inc., symbol BYND on the NASDAQ, offers a portfolio of quote-unquote revolutionary plant-based meats. The stock IPO'd at the beginning of May on the NASDAQ at $25 per share and has skyrocketed over 55% to the $165 range. The growth is great and many think the burgers are delicious, but the market cap of roughly $10 billion, we ask, is it good value? A listener actually asks us on our Your Stock Our Take segment if it is good value right now or not. Our second Your Stock, Our Take of the Week is Park Long Corporation, symbol PLC, on the TSX, which owns and operates businesses including cemeteries, crematoriums, funeral homes, chapels, planning offices, and a transfer service. There appears to be strong growth, and a listener asks us if it offers good value at the current price. Finally, our dog of the week is Millennial Esports Corp, symbol G-A-M-E on the TSX Venture, a gaming and digital media company. Millennial provides a turnkey global solution that covers gaming technologies and studios, event management, research analytics, content production, and broadcasting. A year ago, the company's shares traded at $2.30. At the start of the year, they were at $1.13. This past week, they closed at $0.20. They've been down 50% in the last week. Is the drop an opportunity or a sign of things to come? We will discuss that. like to get into the show quickly this week. Uh, We're going to talk to Aaron first. I'd like to welcome Aaron first. Aaron, welcome. Hello. How are you? I am great. Uh, We'd like to talk about uh, the Canadian Dividend All-Star Special Report that you just uh, put out. Four new buy recommendations and four recommendations from current coverage. But I'd like to get your take on how how your research process for this type of report uh, went together. I know it takes three to four months to put something like this together. It's a great report. But how how does your process start on this uh, Right. So it it took about five months, more or less. And essentially what we're doing is we want to, with fresh eyes, look at every single dividend paying company on the TSX stock exchange and TSX venture. So I've been doing this for for quite a while, as you know, and I I already know quite a bit about each one of those companies or, or almost all of them anyways. But in the market, things change quickly and you really have to kind of put your biases aside and really look at these companies with fresh eyes. So when we do one of these um, research cycles where we go through essentially everything, it's just it's an opportunity to just 
almost forget what you think you know about a company and just kind of look at it um, for the first time again. But uh, in, in any event, we there's about 3,200 companies that trade on the two exchanges here in Canada, and we identified 352 of those companies as dividend payers. So we pulled those out. We went through every single one that's looking at the financial statements, looking at recent press releases, um, management discussions, and outlook, and just trying to figure out in your first run through uh, what companies are doing well and which ones aren't. And you're not necessarily trying to find companies that you're specifically recommending in that first run through. You're just trying to separate the stronger companies from the weaker companies. So in our first round of research, we pulled out 73 companies, which essentially make up our, our income stock monitor list, uh, 73, which were doing well, good, reasonable financial performance, um, reasonable balance sheets and debt, debt leverage. And then once we have those 73, then we cycle through them again. Only this time we do a much deep, deeper um analysis of each company. So we look, you know, at, at industry fundamentals, we look deeper into the financial statements, um, talk to management, uh, listen to conference calls, read more press releases, read some independent assessments on the companies. Um, and then after we did that, we pulled out 31 companies from those 73 that we thought were, were really the best, um, the best in the group. And this is essentially what makes up our top tier monitor list now. So these are the companies that we're continuing to follow and likely that new recommendations that we make over the next several months will come out of that group. Um, but then we, we take even a, a, a deeper dive into those, those 31 companies and we, we found eight companies that we wanted to highlight as current recommendations for our clients. So that's essentially eight companies uh, out of a universe of 352 companies and five months of research. And, and that's essentially what we come up with. So it's a very good, you know, we've always talked about being focused, uh, having a, an actively managed portfolio of eight to 12, 15 companies. So, you know, eight is a really great start. It's a really great base for our clients to kind of work off of. And uh, I, I, I think that some of the some of the stocks in there are truly the best of the best. Yeah, it's such an excellent report. Uh, you can get your hands on it for non-clients for $599. You can purchase that through our website or become a client to the Canadian Income Stock Research. And you get that report for absolutely free just with your annual subscription. So it's a great addition to that service. Uh, some of the new additions and some of the current buys in there, there's a, our top current Canadian bank stock that you'll get in that research. Uh, top infrastructure growth stock, Canadian dividend growth stock, our top Canadian dividend tech stock, and uh, one new recommendation provides a dividend yield of just under 6% from that group, plus it has strong growth potential. So some great, unique Canadian dividend paying and dividend growth stocks in that report, and uh, I encourage you to get your hands on that today. It's a must for any uh, any investor in Canada who's looking at adding dividend, dividend growth stocks to their portfolio. And another thing I'll add here, just before we move on, is that, uh, and it's 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 a great experience to go through and spend all this time researching these companies. And it also reminds me of the fact, I actually just put out a, a video on uh, LinkedIn uh, earlier today on this subject that, you know, to set yourself up for success as an investor, you really need to use dividend growth stocks in your portfolio. They really should be foundational in your investing strategy. And the data is is absolutely conclusive on, on this subject. Dividend 
paying companies, specifically dividend growth stocks, um, they vastly outperform on average their non-dividend paying counterparts over time. Uh, and they do it with substantially less risk as well. So higher returns, less risk. And uh, as an investor, I mean, that that that's really an, a powerful piece of information. And my belief is that if you don't make dividend investing a foundational part of your investment strategy, you're really setting yourself up for failure. Doesn't mean you can't speculate um, on higher risk companies or investing companies that have higher growth and don't pay dividends. There are some great stocks in those areas as well, but you really should form your portfolio on a on a strong foundation of dividend growth companies. Yeah, and these, you know, th- through this research, those eight companies to start with, and there, you know, there's the there's the 31 companies that we have reports on too in that monitor list that Aaron said we're looking to add potentially uh, from that list uh, new buy recommendations over the course of the year. But you get that monitor list and those full individual page reports on each of, the, each of those stocks just to start. So it's a really great way to start off your portfolio or to readdress what you don't like in your portfolio and add some of these companies to that. So take a look at that report, uh, look at it closely. And, uh, you know, those companies we believe will perform well, uh, those current recommendations over the next two to five years. So let's move into the show. Uh, are your stock our take? It's time we answer a question on your stock in a little segment we like to call Your Stock, Our Take. Buy, sell, or hold. The first question comes in from uh, Charles R. on Twitter. It's on Beyond Meat. He says it has had a meteoric rise, which is without a doubt since its IPO. He said he tried those burgers at A&W, and uh, he wants to know if there's still an opportunity in this stock. Well, Beyond Meat Inc., symbol BYND on the NASDAQ, currently trades at around $166, market cap of $10 billion. What does the company do? They are a food company based in the U.S., offers a portfolio of revolutionary plant-based meats. The company has developed three core plant-based product platforms, including beef, pork, and poultry. Its flagship product is the Beyond Burger. It's designed to look, cook, and taste like traditional ground beef. Now, at the beginning of May, the company IPO'd, had its IP on the NASDAQ, uh, IPO on the NASDAQ at $25 per share. Uh, right away, the stock shot up to around $66.75. It peaked June 17th at $169, just under $170. It's currently, like we said, in the $165 range. So let's look at the quarterly financials. Revenues for the first quarter increased 215% to 40.2 million, so tremendous growth. There was a net loss of 6.6 million in the first quarter compared to 5.7 in the first period of last year. Adjusted EBITDA was a net loss of 2.1 million compared to 4.3 million loss in the first quarter of 2018, so a slight improvement there, but still losses in both those categories. Now, Let's break down the numbers on the company here. Just get to the nitty gritty on this business. Barclays Bank predicted that the meatless market, which uh, Beyond Meat operates in, would reach $140 billion in a decade. Now, we've seen others on the very optimistic end estimate it will reach $200 billion over that period, so over the next decade. Let's take the most optimistic of these estimates at $200 billion for the market value of this industry over the next 10 years. If Beyond Meat were to capture 10% of that market or $20 billion in sales, 
then we would say at a 5% profit margin, this would be the average for a business such as Beyond Meat, the company would very optimistically generate in 10 years time, $1 billion in profit or net income. Now at 25 times earnings, which would be a high multiple, the stock would then be worth $25 billion at that point. It's already worth $10 billion in the market right now. So this is a very, very optimistic growth rate over the next 10 years. Based on this, the 10-year average gain over that time in the stock would be around 10%. Now, this that is the, you're getting essentially over the next 10 years, we're estimating you can get a 10% return. Given the risk on the company, even with a company, you know, it seems like a great company with a bright future, rapid growing market but it has a lack of profitability. There's a large range of potential futures for this business. And right now, the most optimistic state is reflected in the current market value in our uh, opinion. The company has the first mover advantage, but we fear that the product is highly substitutable and long-term may not be able to sustain a premium multiple on the stock. So right now, we would say that Beyond Meat is very pricey and priced optimistically or priced to perfection. So it does not meet our criteria for investment at this stage. Yeah, I think there are a lot of assumptions that are baked into even that 10% annual return. And yeah. when you're investing in a company that's a growth stock and not profitable, there's there's a big element of risk there. You're going to want to get more than 10% per year. Yeah. Um, you know, 10% per year is, is kind of close to the market average for a, even a larger cap dividend stock. So, you know, you, you're going to want to you, you're going to want to beat that. But I mean, at the end of the day, Ryan, have you tried the burgers again? So what am I talking about? I haven't even tried the burgers. So maybe we should go out there and try those and then we'll have a better opinion. You got to taste the product. Right? I, I would like to. And honestly, yeah. I, I, I obviously there's there's a huge market. Um, for a tasty uh, non-meat protein burger and uh, with the health trends, obviously that's a huge space. I don't know how easily they can be displaced by a competitor, but certainly branding, um, you know, trade secrets, their own special sauce, whatever you want to call it, is is going to be an asset. Um, it's just it's it's very difficult when you're investing in these companies that have not turned a profit yet, and because uh, there's just there's that major element of risk. They haven't really proven the business model until they can drop money to the bottom line. Yeah. And, and I mean, they have their own process and, and everything, but it's not like the product is patentable. There are competitors right now that produce like products and you, you know, and, and some of the major players craft, some of the huge players in this business are, are going to introduce competition into this market. So of course they're, you know, they have somewhat of a first mover advantage, but like I said, I think there's some substitutability here and it could come down to price at some point that can squeeze down margins. Um, and the scenario that we built out with the market being worth 200 billion and them having 20 billion in sales, that would be, you know, your optimistic case. And even in that scenario, you know, a 10% average return for investing in a stock that's trading at the multiples that it is right now. For us, that's not a payback that's significant enough given the risk. We would like a higher than 10% uh, payback uh, over a 10-year period uh, each year annualized. Then, uh, then we'd like a higher return uh, for taking on the risk of this business that we see in terms of where it's priced right now. It's priced for perfection in our opinion. So let's get on to our second Your Talk stock, our take. It's time we answer a question on your stock. 
in a little segment we like to call Your Stock, Our Take. Buy, sell, or hold. Uh, It's on Park Lawn Corporation. The question comes in from Barbara via email. She says, I've owned a small position in Park Lawn for several years. It's been a great performer. Have you researched this company? And what is your opinion? Is there buy, sell, or hold at present? Aaron, like your thoughts on that. Okay, so Park Lawn Corporation, uh, symbol is PLC. Trades for uh, about $29, $30 and does pay a small yield of uh, 1.5% right now. Market capitalization of about $850 million. So uh, one thing I will say about the company, it did make our top-tier monitor list in the in the Dividend All-Star report that I was talking about earlier. Uh, so I do see... Um, I do see strong fundamentals behind the company. Definitely been a great growth stock. It is not a current recommendations right now. Could be in the future. But anyways, what does the company do? Well, they're the kind of company you, you don't really want to think about what they do. But when you need them, you definitely need them. So they are in the, the death industry, so to speak. And they provide goods and services associated with the disposition and memorialization of human remains. So this means they own and operate businesses, including cemeteries, crematorias, uh, funeral homes, chapels, planning offices, and transfer services. Uh, they have a North American-wide platform with operations in five Canadian provinces and 13 U.S. states. So Parkland's share price has more than doubled over the past three years. It's up nearly 30% since the start of this year. These strong share price gains have been driven by very high revenue and earnings growth, which has in turn been driven by the company's aggressive acquisition strategy. So they have been a growth by acquisition company. Uh, last year in 2018, they completed $275 million in acquisitions. So far in 2019, they completed or announced another $126 million in acquisitions, and I'm sure there's going to be more to come. Looking at the financials, Park Lawn released their Q1 results on May 14th. Revenue was up 84% to $50 million. Adjusted EBITDA was up over 100% to $11.7 million. And adjusted net earnings per share increased 20% to about $0.22 cents per share. Last year in 2018, revenue was up 85%. Uh, adjusted EBITDA, EBITDA up 108% and adjusted earnings per share up 26%. So definitely a a growth stock, um, profitable, which is great. The only complaint I would have about the company is valuation. So based on their earnings per share over the last year, they're trading at about 37 times earnings. This is not uh, this is not a completely unreasonable valuation given the growth rate, but certainly the the valuation multiple is still somewhat high relative to the earnings growth earnings per share growth rate, which is in the it has been in the twenty to twenty five percent range. So just in conclusion, Parklawn is a it's very interesting growth by acquisition stock, and their strategy has been immensely successful over the years. Uh, operating in the death industry does provide them with a competitive advantage, and it also provides them with some recession-resistant qualities, which we like to see. Uh, as I said, when you need their business, you need it. It doesn't matter what the economic environment is. The potential risk that we do see is valuation, with uh, the company trading at a, a premium price-to-earnings multiple. Um, but it, it, it's been it's been a great performer, and so far, I believe that even though the valuation is on the high end for us. The, um, the financial performance definitely justifies a, a good, solid valuation, a premium valuation. So 
in spite of, of the risks, uh, the valuation risk, Parklawn does appear to be very well positioned. It's consolidating an attractive industry, and it's something that we're going to continue to watch and could potentially at one point put out a report on. Yeah, I think, and the question is timely, as you just completed that large report. Um, it is one of the companies that you are looking at on the monitor list there, all things being equal. If there was a pullback, if everything stayed the same and valuations were a little bit more attractive, which does tend to happen in the market over cycles. I may be a company, again, all things being equal, it continues to grow at a rate and we see a pullback, it may be a company that we'd look at. But again, we'd have to look at it, like you said, at that time with fresh eyes once again. Uh, but it is a company that we're definitely monitoring and it could end up as a recommendation over the next couple of years. Certainly has performed well and financially, like you said, the growth is excellent there. Now, we're going to finally look at our weekly dog from our Stars and Dog segment. It's time for this week's dog. <laughs> Millennial Esports Corp, symbol G-A-M-E, or GAME, on the TSX Venture. Currently trades around $0.20. Cents. Uh, market cap in had just over $2 million. One year ago, the company's shares traded at $2.33. At the start of this year, they were at $1.13. Uh, the stock has dropped considerably over 50% over the past week, just uh, after a stock split. Now, the stock is down tremendously against since its highs, almost 95%. Uh, what do they do? We'd like to know what this business actually does. It's not just a symbol, G-A-M-E. Millennial Esports operates as a gaming and digital media company. The company provides turnkey global solutions that cover gaming technology and studios, event management, research and analytics, content production, and broadcasting. Now, what is driving the stock? Well, in our opinion... It's a classic case of the market overpricing a stock based on hype surrounding a hot theme in the market. In this case, esports over the past year, it's been a very hot sector. But eventually, investors look at the stock and look at the numbers and ask, okay, there's a lot of hype here, but is the company actually making money? Well, in e millennial esports, this case, they had revenue of $2.1 in the last quarter, up from about 500000 So great growth there, 289%, but they lost $1.2 million. Uh, and adjusted EBITDA was a loss of 600000 So they're continuing to lose money. And in their history, uh, the company has net losses of over $27.4 million on the capital that has been injected into this business. Uh from our perspective, given the fact that it's unprofitable, it is uninvestable at this stage, it is a cautionary tale to not buy into hyped sectors or the flavor of the day as you can really have your capital destroyed in a business such as this. I think that does yeah, it for our show. Yeah, okay, Aaron might have oh, something I, else I at the end just, here, yeah. I, really, just reiterating yeah. what, you were gonna, what you were saying there, you, you have these highly speculative companies that aren't generating any profit, have never been profitable. And you know, for, for Keystone Financial, profitability is the minimum criteria for investment, period. It doesn't necessarily have to be for everybody all of the time, but you certainly have to be wary about how much money you put in these businesses that have never really demonstrated that they can drive 
money to the bottom line. Yeah, I mean, and there's where you can get catastrophic losses to your portfolio that can really destroy your portfolio uh, if you have a few of those type of companies in there. You know, companies that are just, you know, destroying 90% of the value that you originally invested in the companies. A company like this in a hot sector uh, pumped up to levels that were very unsustainable based on hype. The underlying numbers were never there to get the business there. It's like a house of cards uh, when investors finally realize that and there's any uncertainty regarding the business, the cards, house of cards falls. And that's what you saw in a company like Millennial Esports. And this is even a company that has revenues, relatively significant for a business of its size on a quarterly basis. Um, It you know, there's no underlying profitability. The company will need to raise money at some point, it looks like. And the stock just plummets. uh, To There's no real floor under the business because there's no level of profitability. Uh, We try to have a floor there in terms of what the cash flow of the business is and the profitability and a solid balance sheet. If you have that, uh, you have some downside protection in a business. In this there wasn't much downside protection because of the hype that was already built into the stock. And that's going to be our final dog of the week and our cautionary tale. And we're going to end it off by saying again, uh, that new dividend all-star report has just been released. All clients, we encourage you to log in, take a look at that report, take a look at the new recommendations, the four, the four from current coverage that were in that report, uh, potential good recommendations or additions for your portfolio. I'd like to thank Aaron for co-hosting with me. Thank you. And I wish you all profitable investing. Profitable investing. Thank you.